Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab, episode 893 for Monday, October 4th, 2021. Ah, Greetings, folks, and welcome to the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab, the show where you send in your questions, your tips, your cool stuff found. We take all of those things. We mash them together. We form an agenda. This is a laborious process, folks. We argue about it. We we focus on it. We spend a lot of time. And then sometimes we just throw it away in the moment because uh, we start heading down tangents. But the idea with that agenda and the tangents and really everything we do, the holistic idea is that each and every one of us learns at least five new things every single time we get together. Sponsors for this episode include Text Expander, yeah, where you get 20% off at textexpander.com slash podcast, and Upstart, where at upstart.com slash MGG, you can start getting your debt under control. They do it in a really cool way, and they look at, speaking of holistic, they look at all of you, not just one slice of you. So we'll talk more in detail about those things in a minute here for now, here in Durham, New Hampshire, I'm Dave Hamilton. And here in Fairfield, Connecticut, rather chilly Fairfield, Connecticut, this is John F. Braun. Yeah, fall is here. We got that crisp air. I like it. It's good sleeping weather. It's good. Now the heat, heat went on last uh, night. So Yeah, yeah, there you go. Yep. I got to make sure all those things are off the radiators and, you know, all those things at this point. It's that time of the year. This is also the time of the year when... Uh, my entire sweatshirt collection moves from my house to my office because I'll put on a sweatshirt or a sweater in the morning, come over, it warms up during the day, I take it off, I go back to the house at night, and then, boom, all of a sudden, everything is here. Uh, but, you know, that's just how things go. I had a question for all of you. Are John and I the only ones that routinely go and take a sip from our beverage of choice every time we play the theme music on this show? Because it's like, I hear that theme music and, uh, and you know, I just, I need to, I need to take a sip. It's just, like I hear that. And it's like, uh oh, God, wait, where's my tea? Got to find my tea. So you can join us for a sip in that at any time. But know that when the music's playing, it's time for us to all enjoy our beverage. My shtick, hang on, I can, now I got to have it because it's like Pavlovian. I heard the music. I had to drink. Uh, and my favorite thing is. You you know, we do our pre-show and then right before we hit record, we, we both go and we manage our hydration. And one part of that is that we get our, our beverage of choice for the show. And for me, it's usually almost always something hot, John. And uh, I like to wait to have the first sip of that hot tea, usually tea, uh, for when the music plays so that I get that like that that sensation of like, ah, yes, I'm like lubricating my throat and all that good stuff. I don't know. It's just a thing. We have our things. We all have our things. I don't know. Join us in those tips. Hey, also join us if you would please. And, uh, and go fill out our Mac Geekab listener survey. It's at Mac slash survey. Uh, it, there are two, two reasons for doing it. One is so that we can learn more about you in aggregate. We don't share any of your private information, uh, not that we collect your private information, but if we did, uh, anything you share with us is individually not uh, shared. But we aggregate it together and it gives us a picture of who you are. And, and that helps us with our sponsors, which obviously helps keep the show going. So that's good. And then there's a second part, though, where there's a few questions where we are literally asking you 
what you like about the show, what you'd like to see differently, what you'd like to see more of, what you'd like to see less of, you know, and um, and so like like it really is to help us in many ways. Go check it out. MacGeekUp.com slash survey and you qualify to win one of many $50 Amazon gift cards. So, yeah. All right. Um, that's what I got there. What do you got, Mr. Braun? Anything? <clears throat> Not yet. Okay. I know you will have stuff because it's, it's how these shows work. I learned something over the weekend, John, I was setting up my old iMac 2014 retina iMac. So OG retina iMac 27 inch. Um, it runs big, Sur. It will not run Monterey, at least not according to Apple, but, uh, but still runs big, Sur. It's the one that my M one mini replaced the one that I traded for that domain back in the spring or whatever. And it's been sitting on my floor, driving me crazy that it's just sitting there doing nothing. No one in my house needs it. Uh, but I found out my brother, uh, and, uh, he needed one for the household. And so it was like, perfect. So I wanted to, I had not done anything with it. So it was time to format it. And then of course, uh, you know, get it up to big Sur. I made the error of doing that the wrong way and couldn't reinstall Big Sur from the recovery partition. The recovery partition uh, wanted to do Internet recovery, which wanted to put Yosemite on there. And I was like, mm, no, don't want to head down that path. So I decided to make a bootable installer using Apple's create install media command that's inside of Big Sur. The closest computer I had to me at the time was that M1 Mini. Now, I do have Intel Macs. I've got one here in the studio. Uh, I've got one, uh, you know, over at the house, of course. But I wanted to see what happens if I do create install media with Big Sur as downloaded on an M1. And so I did that. And sure enough, it booted up that Intel Mac just fine. And the install worked. So it is a universal installer that create install media from Apple creates. Uh, and I, like I said, I proved that by necessity on whatever it was Saturday or Sunday or something. Um, so, and a, another piece of advice with that, stop using thumb drives for those installers. What all I did was I created, uh, it has to be HFS plus because of the way that works. So fine. But I just took a, you know, a, a an SSD, the, that like a USB C based. Cause I kind of wanted it to be not just Thunderbolt. So I took a USB-C SSD, you know, I, I, one of these that does, you know, 500 megabytes a second or something, a fast, fast enough drive. And that I added a HFS plus partition to it, which you can easily do with disk utility. And I, I did like a 20 gig partition, John, which I think was enough. Like the installer was 12 gigs. So I figured, all right, 20 buys me some room down the road, maybe. And uh, and I put the I, I you know pointed that at create install media. And, uh, and, and that worked great, like so much faster than fighting with a, you know, thumb drive that's going to go slow as molasses. So, so that's, that's all my advice. And when I say create install media, I mean, Apple has baked a way of using their installer from the terminal to create a boot disc of, of that. So you can just do it right there. So and the command is all one word, um, create install media. So we'll put a link in the show notes to Apple's support article that explains all that. So, yeah, good stuff. I was glad it worked. Like, cool. I don't have to reinvent the wheel. Uh, anything on that or is it time to move nice. on to other people's quick tips? 
OP. No, I'm glad they uh, added that. They, they added that quite a while ago, but it was in the past. You would have to uh, um, jump through a couple of hoops to make a bootable. Yeah. Uh, installer. Yeah. yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. It works great. It works great. So uh, we were talking in the last episode, John, about uh, iOS 15's uh, the focus that's in iOS 15 and then coming, of course, to Mac OS and all that stuff. Uh, we were talking about it for minimizing distraction and disruptions and, you know, only uh, like allowing filtering through the right notifications and those sorts of things. Listener Ed wrote in and says, um, one of the really slick features of focus that I haven't seen many people talking about is its custom pages option. This for me is more useful than the notification granularity he says I've been using it to organize all my apps that I used to have in folders back into full pages again. Since I ran into this feature feature, I've created custom focuses or is it foci uh, for things like, say, my, you know, streaming viewing shortcuts, for instance, so I can launch and control Things on my Apple TV, he says, I've also created custom focuses for music production, media editing, photo editing, etc. I used to have a ton of individual folders organized this way, but now I've moved back to full pages of apps and organized my focuses to have different app and widget templates for different uses. But here's where it gets wicked cool, he says. Uh, he sound like my neighbors. Uh, I, I don't know if Ed's from Massachusetts, but that's that's a Massachusetts thing for sure. Uh, I've also created shortcuts, which can be launched either via Siri or the shortcut buttons in a widget for my different focuses. Now, if I want to watch entertainment, all my streaming service apps comes up, come up on my homepage and my million other non-related apps and their pages are hidden. I have another shortcut for photo editing and all my photo apps like Procreate and Pixelmator and the endless GIF editing apps all come up on the home screen. And a second page if they don't fit on one. Got one for music production, as he said before. Yeah, what a great use of focus. Thank you for sharing that. That they, I don't think I would have thought of that. Um, it, you know, it's so easy to, it's so easy. We find this even when answering your questions. We had one this week where it was like, we think this is a bug. And it was like, yep, must be a bug. It was like, wait, 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 wait. I don't think it's a bug, you know. Um, and it, it, you know, it's so easy to just get stuck on that train and what apple has been telling us about these focus trains is that it's all about minimizing distractions and i suppose what ed just described is could be related to minimizing distractions but it's you know it's just about presenting you the things that you need so yeah very good have you messed with focus yet john um i'll have to create a task to remind me to look at it <laughs> there you go i like it all right. You want to take us to Scott? Uh, Scott, yes. Scott has um, wanted to tell us about a Safari tab groups, which, as you know, is something new in the latest version of Safari. Um, and he says, I love them. I used to have multiple Safari windows open where each was a theme I used, and each window had a corresponding bookmark group, so I could easily open that group whenever things got messed up. Now I have each of these groups set up as a tab group, and it is so much better. The fact that these are now dynamic and available across devices is just a great bonus. So thank you, Scott. Oh, yeah. <coughs> I, I need to get into tab groups. I, I have a feeling once I start using them, they will become one of those invaluable things to me. But I have not yet 
begun to incorporate them. I haven't even attempted. So, you know, to be fair, I mean, I've messed with it a little bit, but it, I just I need to find some workflows where it's like, ah, yeah, that when I'm doing this thing, I want these tabs and I'm doing this thing. I want these tabs. And I already have some ideas about how that could really help. So, yeah, good stuff. Thank you, sir. Uh, Jeremy. All right. So this one's a little um, a little niche, but it's kind of cool and it's worth trying on all your devices. Jeremy says, I just accidentally ran across a feature in mail in Big Sur that I am so happy about I had to share in the messages list. You can swipe left or right for different actions. Mark, unread, delete, just like on iOS. That doesn't work so well if you are using a traditional mouse. Uh, it works great on a trackpad, of course. He says, I have a Logitech MX Master 3 with a horizontal scroll wheel, and I just happened to hit it while moving over a message. Much to my surprise, the message slide to the side showed the swipe option. It, uh, it seemed to be reverse direction for the scrolling, at least in my mind. But oh my goodness, what a nice thing he says this is to have. I don't know if other mice with sideways scroll wheels will do this, but definitely wanted to share the finding. Yeah, if you've got... Uh, my, you know, my guess is that the answer is yes. If it, if the sideways scroll wheel translates to Mac OS in whatever way it could be it a trackpad, a trackball, or, you know, like the magic mouse where you can, you know, sort of trackpad yourself on top of it for the scrolling and all that. I, I think, yeah, I, I, I see no reason why that wouldn't work. Yeah. It's good. Very cool. Uh, it doesn't work with my device. Oh no. I may have to program it. Ah, yeah. Well, this, um, this trackball has a, a ball, but it also has a, a wheel on the outside, and that can be used in some programs to scroll up and down. Right, right, right. Kind of like we just discussed, but um, but it looks like, yeah, it's not getting it. Got it. I'll have to figure out how to see if I can engineer that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay, well, good luck. Let us know how you do. Um, listener Robert says, I wanted to send this tip over in case it hasn't been covered, and it has not. Uh, if you are trading in an iPhone or Apple device that still has Apple Care Plus on it, you can get a prorated refund on the unused portion when trading it in to Apple. Uh, he says, I traded in my iPhone 12 Pro Max for 790 bucks. Plus, I called Apple and asked for a refund on the Apple Care Plus that wasn't about to expire until November of 22. I got another $118 for that, which made the trade-in even better. Normally, I would just sell the phone on eBay and include the AppleCare, which helps the selling price. But the Apple deal was pretty good this year. Hope this helps. Yeah, I've always erred toward the side of using eBay for devices that have AppleCare for exactly that reason. Because, you know, otherwise you're not getting it back if you just trade it in. Um, you know, it's handing it off to the next person. But Apple, it seems, will, uh, will take it back from you if you're trading it into right. them. To them. So, yeah, I like that. That's pretty good. Pretty good. All right, John, what do you got? Uh, nothing at the moment, but uh, Tony has something. <laughs> um, PC Unix, he likes to be called. Yes. Um, when using CarPlay, I'll often say something like, tell my wife and my daughter whatever I need to say. But sometimes I'll forget to add my daughter. Today, when I did that after... Uh, you know who, uh, S lady read back my message. I said, add my daughter into my surprise and delight better than shock and awe. <laughs> she did. That's pretty cool. I've never tried yeah. that. I've canceled messages when I've done that. Um, 
Ah, I like I have to I have to mess with this. I, you know, I have a question and I I think I know I could try to Google for this, but um, with Siri in the car, I am often wanting to reply with emoji and try as I might while I am replying with Siri. I have not been able to get it to invoke emoji. Anything I do just like mm. winds up typing out the word emoji happy face or, you know, whatever I, it is I'm trying to do. Can somebody tell me how to do that? I like I the only time I think about it is when I'm in the car and obviously I'm not going to be Googling while I'm in the car. And then the only other time I've ever thought about it is right here after you mentioned Siri and CarPlay, John. So does anybody know? It, I, like, it's not it's not uh, specific to CarPlay. So um, so there you go. I don't know. Do you know how to do it, John? Uh, I don't really use her that, that often. Right. I, I don't for text messages. The car is the place where I use Siri. Hmm. Otherwise, I mean, obviously, right. It's in the car. So it's it works out great, um, especially with CarPlay. It's a it's a great interface, the way that that just flows. So, um, hmm. yeah. All right. Well, hopefully somebody will have that answer. I was kind of hoping it might just magically have appeared in the chat room by now, John, but it has not. All right. Uh, Chuck. Well, Chuck and Gaz have quick tips from the last episode about the same thing. Chuck said in the last episode, you folks learned about selecting a file from the spotlight uh, list and then holding down the command key to see the path. Well, if you hold down the command key and double click to open the file, John, he says it will open the containing folder instead. He says, I use this all the time. Because sometimes I'm not only looking for a file, but where the heck did I file it? Yeah, that's very good. I like that, Chuck. And then uh, Gaz also shared for from the same uh, tip and question. He says, I was shouting at my phone while listening, not because you got anything wrong, but quite a while ago, I did the command key click when doing a search in Spotlight. And the reason I was shouting was if you press command and shift and then open the file you're looking at, Rather than the file opening, it opens the location of that file in the finder. So you can do it with the mouse, as Chuck said, or without the mouse, as Gaz said. So I like it. Command and shift. It's handy. Very cool stuff, guys. Thank you very much. Yeah. I think it's pretty good. Right? That's a lot of quick tips, man. A lot of quick tips for one week. I remember at the 20, oh, not quite the 20 minute mark. It was time for more tea before we go into cool stuff found. All right. Right? Good? Yeah? Time to move into Cool Stuff Found? Okay. Uh, Corey kicks us off into Cool Stuff Found this week. He says, I found this app and started playing with it. Uh, It is called QuickScan. It's got a very simple but nice UI, and it scans documents and does OCR and then can file them away automatically. He says it's similar to the scanning feature built into iOS, but way easier to access, in my opinion. He says, I'm always wondering, do I go to notes or do I go to files and do I have to press and hold a folder or something? Or maybe it's in a shortcut. I never remember. Uh, And this app, QuickScan, is free. So you can download it and mess with it. And thanks for that, Corey. Great stuff. We love love things like that. It's great. Do you do scanning on on iPhone, John? Mm, Not really. I recently had a bunch (laughs) of tax documents I had to scan and send because you know october 15th is coming up so it's it's that time of the year for those of us who are on the uh on the Uh, delayed plan yep Uh, yeah yeah 
No, I use um, um, Fujitsu ScanSnap. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a small document scanner. I recommend try iOS's like scanning even in the files app. And it is it's easier to find now on iOS 15. It's just get to whatever folder you want. Go to the three dots in the upper right. And um, mm-hmm. and that's that's where you can choose to scan. Uh, I have a my printer actually has a sheet feeder and everything to do scanning. It's awesome. But when I'm sitting at my desk and I need to scan like a one or two page thing quickly, I'll do mm-hmm. it with my phone. And, uh, you know, it works phenomenally well I, I i encourage everybody to try it a just so you know but and and just have the familiarity with it but b you might find yourself you know using it a whole lot more often once you know once it's like anything you know you go through the process once and it's like okay now this is now i have this skill in my toolbox and you wind up using it and thinking about it so yeah uh speaking of skills in your toolbox cloudflare this week added or last week i should say Added uh, e- email routing for anyone that has used Cloudflare to be their domain registrar, um, and especially if you're using them also for either your hosting or your caching. You know, I mean, I guess that you wouldn't be hosting with them, but you'd be caching with them. Um, one frustrating part of say moving from GoDaddy to Cloudflare is that GoDaddy had email routing, and Cloudflare did not. So if you move to Cloudflare, you still had to then go find an email provider, even if all you wanted to do was just take your emails and forward them somewhere else. Well, no longer. Cloudflare now has email routing, and you can do all sorts of those things with forwarding and catch-all or not catch-all, and you don't need to keep an eye on additional mailboxes and all that stuff. They have a whole email security DNS wizard that will help you like lock things down so that you're creating the right SPF and DKIM records and all that stuff that you don't even want to have to worry about. And they worry about it for you. So Cloudflare, they're stepping up their game. I'm, I've moved a lot of our domains into Cloudflare. Uh, MacGeekGab.com is there. MacObserver.com is there. They, their, um, their registrar services are super inexpensive, especially for renewals as compared to everybody else. And, uh, and they make it super easy to manage your domains. So I've, I've, I've come to like them for that. Yeah, it's good. Okay. <clears throat> so what you're saying is they didn't offer email before. They still don't offer email. Uh, they offer email forwarding, or as they oh, call it, right. routing. Yeah, uh, yeah. Okay. All right. I'm not familiar with that term. Okay. Forwarding. Got it's it. forwarding. Right. Exactly. Yeah. No, good question. Right. Yeah. They don't, like, there's, to my knowledge, they're not offering like IMAP mailboxes or anything, but they will okay. now route your mail, which is, which is great. Like that's huge. You know, that plus like fast mail and now you're in good shape. So I've been loving flash, fast mail, flast mail, boy, easy for me to say, John, uh, speaking of easy for, for me to say, you want to take the next one? Ah, yes. Uh, Vladi has a good one here Easy for you to say, um, <clears throat> not really. <laughs> excuse me um i just wanted to share some cool stuff i discovered in ios 15 i've been using it since it was launched earlier this week there's a lot of hype about live text uh speaking of ocr um i think it's a really cool feature on all the demos i've watched people open the camera app point to some text then they press the live text icon on the lower right then they copy the text to the clipboard switch the app they want to use uh switch the app they want to use the text in and finally paste it that's a lot of steps 
I just found out that in any text field, you can tap and hold where you want to insert the text. And next to the copy, paste, and cut buttons, there's a little icon, um, which I guess is the live text icon. Um, if you select that icon, the keyboard becomes a viewfinder. And if there's text on it, you can press to the insert button on it to use that text. Another thing, I, nice thing I noticed now in the Find My app, I can follow the location of someone live. On previous versions, the locations were somewhat static. Um, cool. Yeah, I noticed that. Um, I hadn't, hadn't actually tried it, but I, I noticed when iOS 15 was, after it was installed, I was like, oh, there's something new um, when I hold down to, uh, you know, fiddle with my text. I just didn't, I just never tried it. Now it's now I know what it's for. <laughs> That's amazing. I just did it now. I had not done that yet. Wow. I like it works great and it's right there. You don't like like Vladi says, you don't have to, you know, it's start where you want it to end, I guess is the mm -hmm. right way to say it. Uh, start at the end. Start at the end. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I start at the beginning like everybody else. Yeah, the beginning is such a I don't know, it's a boring place to start. It's better to start where you want to end up, then you tell yourself how to get there. Yeah, and then um, and and he is right in Find My. So next to people now, and I verified this. I I don't have many people in my Find My. I only have two actually, and you're one of them, Dave. Uh oh, I'm being stalked. But now next to it, it says live, and I'm like, okay. I guess the uh, I guess what they did is update the frequency at which they ping you. I guess. Yeah, I think that's probably right. Yeah, that's right. Oh yeah, because I can see where my son is live right now which is you know creepy but um mm -hmm. yep and 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 i would i am not surprised by his location let me put it that way mm -hmm. so yeah that makes sense that makes sense ah and it looks like uh my daughter has also updated her phone to ios 15 because hers mm -hmm. says live now too so there you go Thanks. yeah ah i like that so that's pretty cool all right cool what a way to waste your family and friends batteries Right, because if you're if you're looking at that live view, I assume it's their phone is like GPSing and updating far more regularly. So you know we could we could waste each other's batteries, John. And mm -hmm. and really, like anytime I'm having battery problems, if you just left your phone open on live for me for like mm -hmm. four hours, it would totally screw with all my troubleshooting. That would oh, be man. yeah, that'd be great. That'd be great. All right, uh, we're having too much fun here. Ben is going to help us. Oh, yeah. Ben um, says uh, something very tiny. Hang on. I got to zoom this in. What did Ben say? I know what he talked about. He says, I, oh, yeah, I know you were talking recently about replacements for your Harmony Universal Remote. I saw the Sofa Baton Universal Remote on Kickstarter and thought of you. Of course, the you know usual caveats relating to Kickstarter project supply, a.k.a. it might not happen. And if it does, it's probably going to be later on arrival than you think. I don't say that specifically about Sofa Baton. I couldn't say that about them. I don't know anything about them, but I know about pretty much every other Kickstarter I've ever taken part in, especially popular ones. And and that's actually an important thing to remember. You, you know, a lot of times these Kickstarters, if they beat their goal by like 10x, their goal, like presumably, if they were responsible, they figured out, okay, what's it going to take to build, you know, whatever, a thousand of these units and OK, so I, I, you know, I have to contract with a, a, you know, a factory or whatever. I've got that figured out. I know what it's going to cost. OK, how much profit do I need to make? Yada, yada. You know, you do the numbers, put it together, put your Kickstarter out there. 
when that thousand changes into 10,000, you need a different factory. You need to probably think about changing the way you're producing them. Like it's a whole different thing. And that can actually slow things down uh, as you might imagine. So it, you know, that that's how Kickstarters go, especially the popular ones. So fun stuff though. I took a look at this. It looks a lot like the harmony remote with a hub kind of thing. It It's similar to, to that whole concept. So yeah. All right. Any thoughts on that, John? No. Okay. We have one more cool stuff found from one of you. And then I have some show and tell to do. So let's do Martin's cool stuff found. And then, Oh, we get to tell you about our sponsors and then we get to tell you about more cool stuff found. Sound like a deal. All right. Deal. Deal. All right. Martin shares with us, uh, yet another tip from Gary, uh, Rosenzweig over at Mac most. He says, I was getting very annoyed with trying to print reminders on Catalina, but I found a great way with a script from Gary over at Mac most. And uh, he even shows it off in his YouTube channel. We put a link to all of that here in the show notes at MacGeekGab.com. Again, as always, you can go to MacGeekGab.com and sign up to get our show notes delivered right to your email box. It's pretty awesome. Thank you for sharing that, Martin. It's great stuff. All right, John, uh, if it's all the same to you, I'd like to talk about our two sponsors now. Okay. All right. Hey, listen, if you're carrying a credit card balance month after month, you know, that can feel like you're in a never ending cycle of debt, right? Our sponsor, Upstart, can help you make that final payment so you can get ahead. Upstart is the fast and easy way to pay off your debt with a personal loan, and it's all done online. So whether it's paying off credit cards or consolidating other high-interest debt or even funding personal expenses, you know, like maybe you need a new NAS or maybe you need a new roof on your house or something like that. I don't know. Over half a million people have used Upstart to get one fixed monthly payment. And Upstart knows that you're more than just your credit score and is expanding access to affordable credit because unlike other lenders, Upstart considers your income and your current employment to find you a smarter rate for your loan. With a five-minute online rate check, you can see your rate upfront for loans between $1,000 to $50,000, and you can receive funds as fast as one business day after accepting your loan. This is a really cool system, and they make it super easy. Find out how Upstart can lower your monthly payments today when you go to upstart.com slash MGG. That's upstart.com slash MGG. Don't forget to use our special URL to let them know that we sent you. Loan amounts will be determined based upon your credit, your income, and certain other information provided in your loan application. Again, go to upstart.com slash MGG and our thanks to Upstart for sponsoring this episode. Next up, Text Expander. Listen, do you ever type the same thing over and over and over again? Things like customer support answers, sales emails, or even document edits. Typing things repetitively or using copy and paste can be a burden, and there's always opportunities for human error, right? Like, even if you're copying and pasting, you know, sometimes you go into an old email and you get those like the forwarding markers and things like that. And you're spending your time. You're now distracted from what you were doing. You're no longer focused on the thing you need to do because you've got this other sort of, you know, departure that you need to be on. We like tangents on Mac Geek Cab. I do not like tangents when I'm trying to get something done. 
And I know you don't either. And that's where Text Expander comes in. Because with Text Expander, you, and if you work with others, your team can keep your message consistent. You can save time and be more productive. You can be accurate every time. Look, the way we work is changing rapidly. And now with Text Expander, you can make work happen wherever you are by saying more in less time and with less effort using Text Expander. And even better, because you're a listener of Mac Geek Gab, you get 20% off your first year. And the way you do that is you go to textexpander.com slash podcast. I know that sounds generic. It is. Guess what? When you check out, they will ask you where you heard about this. I think you know the answer there. And again, textexpander.com slash podcast gets you 20% off your first year. Go check it out. Textexpander.com slash podcast. Our thanks to Text Expander and the folks at Smile for sponsoring this episode. All right. Uh, it's time for a little bit of show and tell, but it will be mostly tell with a little bit of show because, you know, uh, most of you listen audibly. Uh, for those that have been watching, when I pulled up my iPhone before, a few of you asked about what you saw because you saw a leather case on there. And so that is as good a place to start with our show and tell uh, as 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 possible. So this is there have been companies over the years that have made leather cases for iPhones, Apple being one of them. It's not easy, though, to be able to mass produce leather cases consistently. And uh, only a few companies have really succeeded. And Mujo are the uh, ones featured today. M-U-J-J-O. I've got this uh, leather case on my iPhone 13 mini, which we'll talk about because we haven't really talked about the minis that I got last week uh, on this show. And, um, it, you know, it, it fits around it, it. It protects it. It's nice to the touch. They also make one that I don't have right here with a with a wallet, um, you know, so you can put two to three cards in there. I've got one of those on my wife. The reason I don't have it to show you is because my wife's not home and she has it on her uh, iPhone 13 Pro. They've done a really nice job with it. And, it you know, it pops on easy and stays on very well. Uh, really kind of nice thing. It will charge Qi through it. No problem. MagSafe charges through it, but doesn't like it does with most cases, doesn't really hold the, um, you know, the the uh, the whatchamacallit, the, you know, the, the magnet doesn't actually hold the phone up through this case, just like most cases. It's not really built for MagSafe. If you want a case that is built for MagSafe, Specs Presidio Clear, Perfect Clear, I guess they call it, now has magnets built in and uh, and other cases of theirs do, too. You can see, in fact, if you hold it around, it. I mean, it's obvious on the clear case that there are magnets there. There's a there's a ring that MagSafe would pop right onto, but it kind of looks nice, and it you know it it um, it frames around the Apple on the back of your phone. I will this the case I'm holding up is too big for my iPhone Mini, uh, but uh, but you know you can kind of get a feel for for how it might work and. Um, and those sorts of things. I I like the I, I like where people are so going. What. What does that? So I have the regular clear case yep. on my twelve. Yeah, and MagSafe works through it. So what is the benefit of this case? Well, I'm thinking that when you say that MagSafe works through it, you mean MagSafe charging works through it. Yes, yes, right. So something that were to need to hold the phone up with MagSafe and actually rely on the magnet to hold to the phone. Mm -hmm 
might not work with okay. that case. I certainly that's been my experience. And so with and and the other nice part is it it really locks it in so it makes it easy to, you know, to pop the the mm-hmm. MagSafe on. So for example, uh there is there are a couple of MagSafe things that I have to talk about. One is the Belkin Boost Charge Pro. This is a um it is it this is their 2-in-1. They also make a 3-in-1. The 2-in-1 has a MagSafe stand for your phone. And then in the base is another cheap pad that will charge, you know, it's built for your AirPods. It's got kind of a little pocket there. And so I will stop moving things around so you can see it if you're looking. But it's it's a, it's a nice, it's a, it's a very minimalist looking stand that, uh, you know, just holds MagSafe mm. and you're good to go. You know, uh, it holds the phone up and fine. I'm sure if I, I have my phone out of its case right now, I'm sure if I put that, in fact, I've tested it. I know if I put that Mujo case on, it would charge through the MagSafe, but it will not hold like it does here. Uh, and, you know, but it but it holds fine this way. Or if I had a MagSafe case, it would work great. And uh, it just plugs in with one cable. And um, and that's the that's the Belkin Boost Charge Pro for 99 bucks. Nice. Pretty cool, huh? Uh, while we're on the MagSafe bandwagon here, I got one more MagSafe thing, John. Actually, I have a few of them. The folks at MyCharge have, I, they've done something really cool with what they call their MagLock battery packs. So they make three of them. I have two in front of me here. They make a 3,000 milliamp hour, a 6,000 milliamp hour, and a 9,000 milliamp hour. And their MagSafe Little battery packs. They're about the size of a pack of cards, you know, so they're they're smaller than your phone. In other words, they fit under the camera bump. And what's great is, you know, you take this little battery pack and you put it on the back of your phone. And you can, if you heard that little noise, that's the little noise that says it started charging and it holds onto the phone. No problem. I'm having trouble with my hand holding it up. Uh, and I almost <laughs> did, a, did an emergency call or a medical ID thing. But because um, it's hard to you know, find a way to hold it. But it, um, it, you know, it fits right on the back of the phone. It would fit on a MagSafe case. And now you've got an easy way to put a charging pack on your phone without having to have plugs in your bag or anything like that. Uh, it the magnets say that they will hold two and a half times the weight of an iPhone 12 or and it works. It works with the 12 and the 13s. It's not just limited. But, you know, I'm here holding up the 6000 milliamp hour with my phone. And uh, the only thing that's struggling is my hand. So or my my fingers trying to just hold the edge mm-hmm. without holding the thing. But, you know, it, it starts charging immediately. And obviously, you know, a 6,000 milliamp hour and 9,000 milliamp hour battery pack would be crazy. But even the 3,000, like that, what a perfect little thing to have. And you just put it on your phone and you're good to go. So I, I like where things are going with MagSafe, John. And I like that case vendors are making cases that are like truly built to support MagSafe in, in the full way. Because, you know, like you were saying, you can mm-hmm. charge with it, but... It doesn't hold, and that's not such a good thing. So, yeah, yeah. Um, so, also, there it, it comes in not one, not two, but you have a choice of five different colors with the um, with the my charge thing. Is that right? Yes. Ah, okay. Ah. Yeah, I actually requested uh, a blue 
9001, and I think they swapped out what they originally had in there just to make me happy. Oh, but nice. Yeah. my phone is blue. Right, right. Oh, no, no, you got the blue. Okay. So well, this is the blue 6000. So, okay. I don't, the 9000 9, is still downstairs. I, you know, I figured that's just too much, but yeah. No, and, and the 9000, it's just, they get thicker on the mm-hmm. back of your phone, as you might imagine. So the, the 3000 is the one that you'd want to carry around with you if you're a pocket person, yep. you know, but in your bag or something, the six of the, the nine might work. And, and they also, from what I can tell, they kind of support pass through. Do they? I don't. And if you plug a cable into the oh. battery pack, it'll pass through and charge the phone as well. Correct. That's right. When but, you said pass through, I thought you meant chi pass through. And I'm like, ah, I tried it. No. It wouldn't charge with chi. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. The bad news is that unlike Apple's product, you do not get an additional icon in a control center. Right. If you, if you do the what I call pass through in control center with Apple's product, you'll see two gauges, one for the phone and one for the battery pack. Right. Yeah. This There's, battery pack. Isn't I guess smart. they don't. I don't think they have the magic inside to do that, but it charges. Right. Right. Yeah. It you just wait. And, and I think the other thing that they mention is in theory, you can use it as power delivery to power something like your computer. Oh, so I think I read. I think it only does 10 watts or so. So it's not a lot of juice. All right, well, that wouldn't power your computer. Most Macs need at least 30 watts to power mm. them. But power delivery out the USB-C port. I didn't realize that that port was bi-directional. That is cool. Uh. Yeah, I, yeah, I think I read the uh, press kit. I'm sure you, you probably, <laughs> I'm sure you did better than I did. I, I'm, I, well, it says something on there. And so I was going to use the, you know, you folks know about in, uh, you can add it to control center, but it's there by default. The magnifying glass, which is for those of us that recently recently, recently celebrated mm-hmm. milestone birthdays. Um, if you, uh, if I can get this to focus, it will show me what's going on. I can't get it to focus. All right. Well, it's not going to happen because we have a show to do and this thing's busy. So, but I, I believe you. I was just going to see what it said on, on those. So you can hear the, the batteries when they, wait a minute, John, hang on, hang on. Mm-hmm. If I put this, I sat this battery down, the battery pack down on top of the other one, and it made the I'm charging noise. But I don't, re- I don't think it's cheap pass through. I, I, I don't think so. Okay, that must have just been. No, I think it's like, something. oh, I see some magnets. I okay, <laughs> fair. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's a cool little product though. I like I, I like I said I like where we're going with MagSafe. So, it's good. Oh, and what I was talking about before. So, say you want to know the level of the battery of in the battery pack. Well, there's no gauge, but if you would probably notice this with yours Dave, or if you didn't, if you press the little button, the LED will give you a status. Ah, Is that green? That the the one on the 3000 is orange. The okay, one... that's like middle of the road. So you either get green, orange, or red. Okay, red means you're. It's almost dead. Red's dead. Yeah. So the yeah my 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 six thousand is showing green. So oh okay, very cool. Uh, but yeah, stuff. I mean nine thousand man. I mean that that's several charge cycles for uh, at least my phone. It's yeah, mini. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a lot. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's a, it's it's more than way more than one. 
And even the 3000 milliamp hour is way more than one on everything except like the iPhone pro max. Right. I mm-hmm. think. Yeah. Next up for me, John, while we're talking about charging is something from JBL that's called the charge. It looks like a speaker because it is a speaker. It's the JBL charge five. Uh, the reason they call it the charge is because it has a USB-A port out of which you can put plug a cable and charge your devices. It's got a USB-C port for inbound charging. It is a portable speaker. It's in the shape of pill speakers. It's about the size of what I would call a large travel coffee mug and and has the sound to match. So it's definitely bigger than the JBL Flip but still kind of a perfect thing to throw in your car to have, you know, for the beach in the summer and all that good stuff. Or um, my daughter and now my niece have used these or things of similar sizes in their dorm rooms. I just sent my niece one of these JBL Charge 5s for her dorm room, hopefully arriving today because I sent it to the wrong address first. But uh, really good sound, full sound. And of course, it it participates in what JBL calls their party boost where if you have multiple JBL speakers that support uh, the party boost mode, it will, you can sync the sound amongst them. It's Bluetooth, of course. And uh, you know, all that, all that good stuff. That's um, and it sounds great. The JBL, they, they really, to me, they were the first ones to figure out how to make these kind of portable speakers sound full. Uh, Their base, you know, the resonators that they use are part of that. It's all part of the magic. It's 180 bucks on Amazon. It's IP67 waterproof. And like I said, it it charges um, out as well. So you can, you know, charge your phone while you're, you know, while you're jamming out to the tunes. So, yeah. Good, right? I like show and tell. Um, One last cool stuff found, John. And this is the third time we've mentioned Uh, This particular product, this comes this time from Edward, and he says, uh, I've been listening as usual to MGG, and I thought you folks brought up how you were, uh, and recently, he's not, I thought, because we did, how you were implementing some of your TV viewing, specifically your cord cutting and Fubo and YouTube and all that stuff. He says, I've recently cut the cord, and one of the most useful apps and systems that I have discovered is Channels DVR. It runs on a number of platforms, but it's really focused for Apple TV. One of the cool features is it supports TV everywhere. Basically, if you were subs- TV everywhere is um, a is the service that if you like, if you're a you know a, a cable uh, or a Comcast subscriber or an Optimum subscriber or a YouTube subscriber or a Fubo subscriber, um, you that's the service that allows you to log into. Uh, things like CBS and NBC and ABC to watch the content that you could also get through your streaming platform or your, your cable platform, right? It's that sort of universal login. That's a service called TV everywhere, TVE. And um, he says uh, it supports TV everywhere. This channels DVR does to record shows for you. And then you get to use its DVR for things. And so I set this up yesterday, John. Uh, it, it also supports like HD home run. If you've got one of those over the air antennas, you can have multiple sources. But I set this up yesterday. It took about an hour. Um, and mm. it, I, the, the idea is you set up a local DVR. It can be on your Mac. It can be on your Synology. I did it on my Synology, but there's lots of different options. And that part went super fast, like ridiculously fast. 
And it's 80 bucks a year or eight bucks a month, but you get a one month free trial of the uh, the service. And then I told it I have Fubo. I turned on a few things. And if you want to share my Safari screen, John, you and anybody who's watching can see how this works. I will say that the web browser interface to this is by far the most simplistic of the interfaces. The Apple TV one and the iPhone one and even the Android TV one all look fantastic and really work. And so I've only got one day's worth of shows in mind because I just started yesterday, but it works amazingly well. And the interface is great. My big complaint with Fubo is they have all the channels that I want and the interface is awful. Well, I don't need to worry. I will say Fubo's latest update for the Apple TV. The interface has gotten usable. That's as far as I'll go, but it is usable. It's tolerable. But only for the Apple TV. Other platforms, Fubo's not doing so well. With. But um, but channels uses my Fubo content, John, but pulls it in and saves it to my my DVR. I think I think what they're doing with this, John, is essentially logging in this channels DVR as a web browser to each of these things and then just slurping the content and saving it. So uh, but it like these things that you can see here, I've got, you know, a Star Trek Next Generation episode that I recorded and this is saved on my disk station. And what's great about this is I'm going to try and do this and keep my browser quiet. You know, how do I stop that? So you're not seeing it, but you know, it, I, I don't know if you folks heard that sound or not, but uh, you, you know, it jumping around in it because it's content that's on my server, not on YouTube server. I, I can jump around and it just jumps. It's right there. It does commercials like scanning so you can choose whether to skip commercials or not. Um, it's like it, the interface is just great. And um, we it, it'll let you just like a, it, it, it's kind of, I mean, it's kind of like setting up your own TiVo, John. You could do this, too. Right. You would just tell it about your optimum stuff. And now, boom, you're good to go. Mm -hmm. But what's cool is you can watch anywhere. You're not just limited to watching when you're at home. So you get to do whatever you want. And and then, of course, you know, you the files are yours, um, the, you know, because they're saved on your device. So they're they're just files. There's no you know copy protection or anything. So that's what I was going to ask is. So is there a raw MP4 movie file? That's right. Yeah. In fact, let's let's look at this. Oh, I haven't looked how, at this. Yet. How can they. Right. So when it's kind of weird because. With TiVo, uh, they can protect content if they want to, and then you can't download it. Right. So I guess that's not the case with this. How can they get away with that? Um, because they're just slurping it down as though they're a web browser. I, like it's a it's an MP it's MPG files that they um, okay that they that it saves, but. Plex will play these like I could point Plex at my TV folder in my channels library mm. and it would just be like, OK, no problem. You know, let me um, let me slurp down a file here from my from my disk station of that Star Trek episode. And I'll take a look at what the um, what the the uh, what it says, the you know, what's the what's the format here? So it's H.264 with AAC sound. So, yeah, totally portable. Mm. Uh you do with and do anything you want with it. Yep. Which is pretty cool, man. Like it's a it's a the 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 only thing I mean it in the last 24 hours it has worked flawlessly for me. And the interface 
is so much better than either Fubo or YouTube TV. Like it's it's not the same as TiVo, but I have a feeling it would be the kind of thing where very quickly it would just be as natural as TiVo for us, right? Like just the way it works. Um, assuming there's a lot of moving parts, though, that TV everywhere thing needs to keep working. The I'm sure there's some cat and mouse game, either intentionally or not, as the you know each streaming channel you know changes their the way their web thing works. They probably have to make adjustments to channels to keep up with that. So if the platform is remains as stable as I've seen it for the last 24 hours, and I mean this has been around for years, but it, you know assuming that it's not this constant like oh sometimes it doesn't work, sometimes it does work. It's worked great for me, but. Um, Assuming that that's the case, like this is this is the future, man. It's this is amazing. <laughs> it's like definitely how I'm going to work with it. My only complaint so far is that similar to TiVo, there are no profiles, right? So I can't say, well, have you know one for my son and one for my daughter. It's like there's one library that everybody is um, recording into, but. I did try watching a live there, there was like a football game last night. So I was like, well, let's let's record that and we can experiment with it. And I tried watching it from three different sources, each at different points in the game while it was being recorded live. And, and it was like it did not get confused by that. So each client is sort of autonomous in that way. Um, it's pretty cool. And it'll tell you what it's going to record. And you can say, oh, I don't you know, I don't want the. I don't want that football game in Spanish. I wanted the English one. And so, you know, hmm. just like, yeah, man, I'm stoked about this. I'm, uh, you know, like I said, it's been 24 hours. So I'm trying to temper my own excitement with what's going to happen next. But, um, but it's pretty cool. So we will keep you posted. And I know this is the third time we've mentioned this on the show. Two other people over the years have sent it in as a cool stuff found. I, it just never made sense to me what it was. Kind of like Sonos um, is sort of how I feel right now. Like, I know you've been trying to tell me about this. Now I finally understand. I finally heard you. So, yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, I don't know quite how they're doing what they're doing, but they have a their support. I had one issue. I was just being stupid about something because I didn't know. And I emailed their support and they were like, oh, do this. It, it'll fix it. And it, like their support answered me in an hour. And the forums are active with people that probably would have provided me an answer faster than that too. So yeah, it's pretty good. Thank you, Edward, for finally forcing me to see the light kicking and screaming. I like it. <laughs> it comes from the same home as Plex, that XBMC core that, you know, sort of was the foundation of all that stuff years ago. I, I, I think that's where channels life started. And speaking of Plex, they say that they're working on doing something similar. They got like, you know, 50 million worth of funding earlier this year and another round. And, and so like they say that they're they're aiming to solve this problem. I don't want to say that they're doing it in this way because I don't know. Um, but my guess is that, you know, I, I'm really I, as I've kept saying, I'm really eager to see where we are, you know, September 1st of next year or October. Now it's October 1st, but I'm still like September 1st. Where is Fubo? Where is YouTube TV? Where is, you know, direct TV stream? And then where are Plex and channels? And what's the right mix of all that stuff? Really, what needs to happen is the um, the continued uh, uh, fragmentation of streaming of content providers needs to happen so that things like live sports are no longer 
you know, locked behind a Fubo or YouTube or Comcast or Optimum. Like, why couldn't if I want to watch the Bruins, why can't I just pay the NHL and have them? And I know it, actually at some level with the NHL, I can. MLB is totally open like that. Where's the NFL and all this? Like, they need to get on board. And then all of this sort of, you know, then you get to do whatever you want. So I don't know. It's interesting. I got my minis, John. Mini what? Uh, iPhone 13 mini and an iPad mini. I, I, yeah, I, you know, there's, we, we talked about the iPhones. There's not much to say about the 13 mini other than it, you know, it's like sort of like the 12 mini, but the cameras are bigger. So, and the lenses are bigger. Like that's for sure. The iPad mini, it's like an iPad pro mini. It is the device I've wanted for a long time. Yes, I know it is a little shorter in one dimension than the other iPad minis, but man, I like I'm I'm stoked with it. It's everything we said it would be. So for me, which has been great. So I don't know that I have much more to say about it unless you have any questions about them. But, you know, no. Nope. OK, well, should we move on to questions? Speaking of, we have some listeners that sent some in we and we have some time. Uh, sure. All right. All right. Take us to Joe. We're not going to do that. So, yeah, let's go. Let us go to Joe. Joe. We love Joe. We think. You want me to read Joe? No, I got it. Okay. Um, all right. Joe says, I think ever since I upgraded to 11.6 Big Sur, my search and mail has not worked. I cannot even get it to find an email from yesterday or the day before. It, when I go onto my email provider, which is GoDaddy, I can search and it comes up right away. I Googled for solutions and frankly, I'm getting what I think is confusing information. Uh, should I just click on rebuild and hope and pray that fixes it? Uh, maybe. Um, last time I did a rebuild, admittedly a couple of years ago on a since parted MacBook Pro laptop on an OS several versions ago, I lost a bunch of mail, but may that may have been because I was on a I was using a pop server. Mm. Um, I do. I do tend to keep way too much in my inbox. Um, like now I have a little one. Uh, I have 94,000 emails in my inbox. Okay. Um, I'm also still having problems with mail pretty regularly stopping communicating with the server. GoDaddy, uh, on my main email address, but continue to download emails on my secondary domain. The only way I can get Mac email uh, to read the first address is to quit mail and start it, restart it. If I delete the prefs file, which I assume, which I presume will also wipe out my inbox, will all those 94,000 messages again be accessible or do I risk losing them? The alternative, though, of course, is to copy all of the inbox to a new mailbox and maybe it'll recreate the inbox. Um, all right. We got a lot, a lot of stuff there. Let's see if we can address some of them. Um, but yeah, I don't like the changes they make in mail either. <laughs> so it just shows solidarity. I don't like that. They list all my mailboxes. Stop it. I don't want to know that, uh, about all my mailboxes, just the ones that have stuff in them. Anyways, um, Hmm. Uh, a rebuild would be a good place to start. Now there are a couple of different ways you could do it. So yes, there is, um, which menu is it? Is I think it's mailbox in mailboxes, menu? John. Yeah. yeah, so the mailbox menu has rebuild. Now, I think that only does, I don't think that rebuilds all of them. I think it just rebuilds 
The one that's highlighted? That's correct. That, that, yes, I've done this before, and I can say with certainty that that's correct. Yeah. Okay. Um, there's another way you could take care of this. Um, so, yeah, you could do that. may take a while. Um, Onyx has something in the maintenance section, in the maintenance rebuilding section, uh, mailboxes and mail, rebuild the index or delete the existing index. So those may be quicker ways to uh, get where you're going. I, uh, I would say that those two things speed wise are reversed. Um, when you rebuild the mailbox, it does sort of resync with the server. And, and actually, you're right. In his case, with 94,000 messages, that might take quite a while in just that mm -hmm. one mailbox. But when you with Onyx, I would say delete. Don't just tell it to rebuild. Tell it to delete the index. Uh, mm -hmm. You will quit mail first. You will do the Onyx thing and then relaunch mail, at which point it will rebuild the index. But that's the index that you need to have it rebuild at least first in order to hopefully solve this problem. Um, but we've heard from Allison right. Sheridan over the last couple of months that she's been having a similar problem and she's been able to solve it briefly, John, but it, the, you know, the, whatever is triggering, it keeps coming back for her. Yeah. And I'm wondering if you can find the emails, if you use spotlight, because I don't think mail and find and spotlight are using the same database or are they, they are. Oh, they, they are. are. Okay. Yeah. So you want to also rebuild your spotlight database here um, just to give everything okay. a clean slate. But I would do it in that order. Rebuild mail's envelope index, then rebuild your spotlight. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No. Okay. Yep. Um, all right. As for um, keeping email too long, you may want to take advantage of uh, IMAP feature called archive. And you can find this in mail, mail, message, archive and it'll put an email in a separate archive mailbox so yeah that's one suggestion and um uh, what's the other one there's an app that will search your mail database mm. um i mean there's mail steward which will mail steward okay that'll create a local archive of your mail like a mm -hmm. second copy and then you can search from there so that is a good way to deal with large amounts of mail. Um, I would I would back up your home library mail folder and you might have to put it on another drive. It could be quite large, um, but I would back that up before messing with all this if you're worried about losing data uh, for sure. But mm -hmm. you're not running pop. So like, I think your your risks are much lower. I don't want to say they're zero because they never are zero when you're doing it on operation like this, but yeah, mail steward or uh, yeah, mail steward would be, would be a way to do this. Um, one thing, as you were saying it, I, I had an idea, John, you said, move it to archive that he, if Joe's already using the archive folder, uh, although with 93,000 messages in your inbox, maybe you're not using your archive folder. Uh, but if you are already using it, you don't want to just put things there and then, you know, kind of have them mixed in with things that are truly archived. You could create a new IMAP folder that's called, you know, inbox cold storage or something and copy, you know, all but the last three weeks of inbox mail to that cold storage folder. You may be able to do this on the server. If you can go to the GoDaddy web interface and do that, it's going to be much faster letting the server move that then, you know, having it go down and back to your mail client uh, over the internet to do it. 
So if you can do that on the server, great. If you can't, then you certainly can do it with mail. You just got to leave mail open. Don't let your Mac go to sleep. You know, it's going to take a while. The window, um, let's say, what's the title of the activity window? It's just activity. Go to the window menu, choose activity, and you will sort of see what's going on. It's not complete what's happening there, but you'll see it'll, it's going to take a while though. So, yeah, I don't know. That's what I have. Those are my thoughts. Um, as for the server issue, we've had people report this uh, up to the point where mail would throw up a dialogue complaining about a connection and grinding all other operations to a halt. Remember that? Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> yep. So you may want to wonder, you may want to go. So so the place you can check your server settings is mail preferences, accounts, um, server settings, I think is, is the title of it. I think that's right. Let's pull up mail accounts. Server settings. Yeah, that's one place. You could also go to the window connection doctor and let ah, it yeah, yeah, see yeah. what what's up with that. So, yeah. Yes, connection doctor can help isolate what's wrong or maybe give you at least a bit more detail about what, what the error is. Yeah, exactly. What the real error is. I've found, you know, sometimes if my mail is for whatever reason set not to connect securely i've seen that cause mm. issues and so just you know reconfiguring it so that it's connecting to the ssl port of your mail server yeah good one good one uh, you know I, i'm now just throwing things out so yeah oh what happened okay all right i got see this is the problem i start looking in mail and then i start getting notifications about things and then i'm distracted <laughs> i need this focus mode john of course i would have yeah. Uh, all right. Good. Sandy had a question about uh, tab sync on iOS 15. Well, really Safari 15, which is part of iOS 15. It's part of uh, it's part of all that stuff. Did I not put this in here? Where is Sandy's stuff? I would love to find Sandy's stuff, but maybe I don't have it. I know I messed with it this morning and it's a great question because she was having trouble finding the, um, the, yeah, there it is. The open tabs in, uh, in Safari 15 on your Mac, you can, could, and still can click on the little cloud icon in the, uh, tab bar, uh, you know, of, of Safari 15 and, see all the open tabs that are synced via iCloud from all your other devices that are synced to iCloud. So you can go there and, you know, for me, I can see uh, from my Mac here, what's open on my iPhone 13 mini and my iPad mini six and, you know, et cetera, et cetera, my MacBook air, whatever. Uh, in order to do that on her iPhone though, or her iPad, Sandy said, uh, I used to be able to hit the four squares in the upper right hand corner of a Safari page on my iPad. And it would allow me, to see all the open pages. Now, when I click on those four squares, I see the start page of my iMac and nothing else. Likewise, when I do this on iPhone, all I see are the ones on my iMac. Is this the new normal? Yeah. So it's not there, um, at least not normally, at least not for me there. Yeah. I only, when I click on those four tab for the, the new little, what do they call it? Uh, tab overview. I am seeing the tab overview of that device. And this is this is a new thing in that way because it's a new icon. But 
to see the tabs from your other devices on your uh, on your iPhone or iPad, you need to hit the plus button to add a new tab. And this is sort of how it's always been. It's just a different workflow. And so it's a little bit misleading. I, I was misled by it, too. You're not alone. So hit the plus sign on your iPad, which is just one notch in from the little four square thing. On your iPhone, you need to hit the in the lower right, the tab view, and then hit plus. And once you're there, you will be able to see uh, your devices that, um, you know, that that have your, you know, all your stuff. But it's it's going to be buried a little bit because the first thing you're going to see on the new tab page by default is favorites, then shared with you, then privacy report, which is very cool. You can dig into that. I like this. Then series suggestions, then reading list, and finally, then iCloud tabs. And then at the bottom, below all that, an edit button where you can tweak all of that, including the order and whether or not the section appears at all. So if you don't want series suggestions, turn it off. If you want uh, frequently visited, but you want it at the bottom, slide it down to the bottom. You want iCloud tabs at the top, slide it up to the top. However you use it, you can even set a background image if you like. Uh, so it's, it's a great little thing. And that's the key is it starts from the new tab page. So the plus button is your friend, unless you're on your Mac, then the cloud icon is your friend. So hopefully that helps. Yeah. Mr. Brown. Yeah, the other thing I noticed on the Mac. So if you click, I don't know what this is called. Okay. Um, it's in the lower right. It's three lines and three dots. Um, where Am I on the Mac? Like what? Um, on the start page. Ah, I don't have the start page up on my Mac. I, okay. I, uh, yeah, I have that turned off. So I have, I'd have to go to tabs and how do you set the, what happens? This is, there's another, there's a quick tip happening here. I'm just trying to figure it out. Where is, oh yeah. New windows open with, um, oh, Right. You can set new windows and new tabs. I have new tabs to be empty and new windows to be start page. This is in Safari preferences general. So if I do a new window, do I see the start page? I do. Okay. Now, yes, I see your three little EQ sliders. Ah, and Hmm. this also lets you configure that start page. It's the same interface that you get on the, well, similar. Including turning iCloud tabs on and off. Yes, sir. Right. Yeah, right. Yep. Yeah, I'm... <sighs> Interesting. I thought I was pretty certain that, at least on iOS, prior iOSs, if you held down the um, the the window or tab button, yeah. it would show you what was happening across all your devices or have like no, a that, holder. that was how to close all your tabs. Mm, okay. Yeah. And that's still there with some new options because it's got a move to tab group, uh, mm. and things like that. So yeah, but, it, but you're right. I think if you hold down, if you hold down on the plus key, like once you go to the new tab, the tab, you know, browser, we'll call it, Mm. Uh, if you hold down the plus button there, you get recently closed tabs and you can reopen uh, them. Yeah. Yeah. Try holding down on things on iOS. Things happen like bookmarks. I can add a bookmark from my 29 tabs that I have open. 
I don't want to do that, mind you, but I could. So, yeah. yeah. Look at that. Yeah. One thing I like about Safari on the uh, on the iPhone, if you leave it in the new mode, which is to have the URL bar at the bottom, is you can just like put your thumb over any finger, but I do it with my thumb. Put your thumb over the URL bar and just push up and it brings you to that tab browser, which is a nice way to kind of get. I mean, I know I could just tap the tab browser, but it, it's like a very fluid thing. And then I can just close tabs from there. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I like the new interface now that I'm now that I'm over the over not liking it. <laughs> All right. Do we have time? Yeah, you want to take us to Bob to kind of close that uh, that loop there, John? Uh, let's see. Where is where is Bob? Are we having problems? Did I screw things up? Did I not move everybody over? I see Bob. He's there. Bob, 891. Because he oh, talked wow. about something from 891. Okay. No? All right. Well, I'll share the Bob stuff because the clock's ticking, right? No, I got it. I got you it. got it. Okay. There we go. All right. Um, Bob says, um, no, well, he, uh, he links to an article um, that basically says a uh, crossover will run Intel Windows apps on M1 Mac. Okay. Right. So this is a follow up to the conversation we had at the end of 891, where we were talking about what you, how you can run and what Windows apps you can and can't run and what your options are for it when mm-hmm. you want to run Windows apps on an M1 Mac, because obviously it can't emulate, it can't virtualize Intel code because it's not Intel, right? And so, as we mentioned, crossover is there because somebody in the chat room had put that in. So, th- thank you for reiterating that, mm-hmm. Bob. But what he talks about is something new, John. This UTM thing—that's the—that's the lead here. Is UTM is at getutm.app, and it will virtualize Intel Windows on Intel, and it will emulate Intel for M1. And that's mm. really cool. Yeah, this is the this is the big part of this. Yeah, I mean, crossover is cool. It's really kind of wonky, um, but it is nice that it it works for um, for M1. But this idea of of running, uh, I think UTM uses this open source emulation thing called QEMU, John, which has been around forever, and evidently QEMU runs on M1 now. So, all right, I know. Yeah, it's cool. I'm like, this is, and you can download it. Um, it's in the Mac app store. I think it's like 20. Oh, it's 10 bucks, even less than I thought. And, um, um, I mean, you can download it straight from them. I think there's a, like a trial maybe, uh, now it's not coming up. There it is. If I say download, does it come? Yeah. It's going to let mm-hmm. me download it. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, let us know. Let, I know. Yeah, I will. I'll mess with this. Yeah. But that's, that that UTM thing, that's that's kind of the key here to opening that. It's like it's the first one to open that door. So yeah. I like it. It's good. Thank you for that, Bob. Thanks, John. All right. Uh that brings us to the end. It's good. It's good. You got anything else, John? No. Okay. 
You said that hesitantly, are you sure? Oh, I'm getting some packages today, but I think I know what they are. Did you order things from Apple? Or are you getting a, a 13 mini? No. Oh, okay. What are your What are your packages? Do you want to tell us, or is it you have to remain secret? I don't know yet. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. I know sometimes they have to remain secret, you know, if they're showing up with an embargo or something like that. So, mm-hmm. yeah. All right. Thanks for listening, folks. Thanks uh, for sending all your stuff in. I know we didn't say it in the show, but if you have a question or a tip or a cool stuff found of your own to share, feedback at MacGeekGab.com is the key. That's how you get this stuff to us. That's how it makes yep. it to the agenda. You heard him, folks. Feedback at MacGeekGab.com. That's feedback at MacGeekGab.com. Thanks again so much for listening. You can find us uh, find us on YouTube. Go subscribe there. We take little segments of the show and put them up, and uh, you know that way you can and you can share those with people. You can find them on Instagram too. Share those with your friends. Uh, that's a great way for you to help us grow the audience, and we really love that. So, um, so yeah, do that. That's our ask for this week. Please, 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 please do that for us. Just go share one thing. It really it makes a huge difference because. People, we all, you know, personal recommendations are the key. That's, we all love those. More, more than the reviews that we find, more than, you know, any of that stuff. It's personal recommendations. So that'd be great. Uh, thank you. Make sure to check out our sponsors at, uh, well, first at MacGeekab.com slash sponsors. And then also, as we mentioned in the show, you can go to Upstart.com slash MGG, TextExpander.com slash podcast. You can find him on Twitter at John F. Braun, if you like. You can find the show on Twitter at MacKika. You can find Pilot Pete on Twitter at Pilot Pete. We hope to have him back real soon. I'm Dave Hamilton. Have fun out there. Thanks for hanging out with us. And John, when you're opening those packages, I know you don't know what's in them. Be careful. And don't get caught. Made up.